Autobiography of George Whitfield, Chapter 2, A Brief and Summary Account of My Temptations. In my first setting out, in compassion to my weakness, I grew in favor both with God and man and used to be much lifted up with sensible devotion, especially at the Blessed Sacrament. But when religion began to take root in my heart and I was fully convinced my soul must be totally renewed ere it could see God, I was visited with outward and inward trials. The first thing I was called to give up for God was what the world calls my fair reputation. I no sooner received a sacrament publicly on a weekday at St. Mary's, but I was set up as a mark for all the polite students that knew me to shoot at. By this they knew that I was commenced Methodist. For though there is a sacrament at the beginning of every term at which all, especially the seniors, are by statutes obliged to be present at, yet so dreadfully has that once faithful city played the harlot the very few masters and no undergraduates but the Methodists attended upon it. Mr. Charles Wesley, whom I must always mention with the greatest deference and respect, walked with me in order to confirm me from the church even to the college. I confess to my shame I would gladly have excused him. And the next day going to his room, one of our fellows passing by, I was ashamed to be seen to knock at his door. But, blessed be God, this fear of man gradually wore off as I had imitated Nicodemus and his cowardice. So by the divine assistance I followed him in his courage. I confessed the Methodist more and more publicly every day. I walked openly with him and chose rather to bear contempt with those people of God than to enjoy the applause of almost Christians for a season. Soon after this, I incurred the displeasure of the master of the college who frequently chided and one threatened to expel me if I ever visited the poor again. Being surprised at this treatment and overawed by his authority, I spake unadvisedly with my lips and said, If it displeased him, I would not. My conscience soon pricked me for the sinful compliance. I immediately repented and visited the poor the first opportunity, and told my companions as ever I was called to a stake for Christ's sake. I would serve my tongue as Archbishop Cranmer served his hand, namely, make that burn first. My tutor, being a moderate man, did not oppose me much, but though I believe that I went a little too far, he lent me books, gave me money, visited me, and furnished me with a physician when sick. In short, he behaved in all respects like a father, and I trust God will remember him for good in answer to the many prayers I put up in his behalf. My relations were quickly alarmed at the alteration of my behavior, conceived strong prejudice against me, and for some time counted my life madness. I daily underwent some contempt at college. Some had thrown dirt at me. Others, by degrees, took away their pay from me. And two friends that were dear to me grew shy of and forsook me when they saw me resolved to deny myself, take up my cross daily, and follow Jesus Christ. But our Lord by his Spirit soon convinced me that I must know no one after the flesh, and I soon found that promise literally fulfilled that no one has left father or mother, brethren or sisters, houses or lands for Christ's sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold in this life with persecution, as well as eternal life in the world to come. These, though little, were useful trials. 
They inured me to contempt, lessened self-love, and taught me to die daily. My inward sufferings were of a more uncommon nature. Satan seemed to have desired me in particular to sift me as wheat. God permitted him, for wise reasons I have seen already, namely, that his future blessings might not prove my ruin. From my first awakenings to the divine life, I felt a particular hungering and thirsting after the humility of Jesus Christ. Night and day I prayed to be a partaker of that grace, imagining that the habit of humility would be instantaneously infused into my soul. But as Gideon taught the men of Succoth with thorns, so God, if I am yet in any measure blessed with true poverty of spirit, taught it me by the exercise of strong temptations. I observed before how I used to be favored with sensible devotion. Those comforts were soon withdrawn, and a horrible fearfulness and dread permitted to overwhelm my soul. One morning in particular, rising from my bed, I felt an unusual impression and weight upon my breast, attended with inward darkness. I applied to my friend, Mr. Charles Wesley. He advised me to keep upon my watch and referred me to a chapter in Kempis. In a short time, I perceived this load gradually increase till it almost weighed me down and fully convinced me that Satan had his real possession of and power given over my body as he once had over Job's. All power of meditating or even thinking was taken from me. My memory quite failed me. My whole soul was barren and dry, and I could fancy myself to be like nothing so much as a man locked up in an iron armor. Whenever I kneeled down, I felt great heavings in my body and have often prayed under the weight of them till a sweat came through me. At this time, Satan used to terrify me much and threaten to punish me if I discovered his wiles. It being my duty as servitor, and my turn to knock at the gentlemen's rooms by ten at night to see who were in their rooms, I thought the devil would appear to me every stair I went up and he so troubled me when I lay down to rest that for some weeks I scarce slept above three hours at a time. God only knows how many nights I have lain upon my bed groaning under the weight I felt, and bidding Satan depart from me in the name of Jesus. Whole days and weeks have I spent in lying prostrate on the ground, and begging for freedom from those proud hellish thoughts that used to crowd in upon and distract my soul. But God made Satan drive out Satan, for these thoughts and suggestions created such a self-abhorrence within me that I never ceased wrestling with God until he blessed me with a victory over them. Self-love, self-will, pride, and envy so buffeted me in their turns that I was resolved neither to die or conquer. I wanted to see sin as it was, feared at the same time lest the sight of it should terrify me to death. Whilst my inward man was thus exercised, my outward man was not unemployed. I soon found what a slave I had been to my sensual appetite, and now resolved to get the mastery over it by the help of Jesus Christ. Accordingly, by degrees, I began to leave off eating fruits and such like, and gave the money I usually spent in that way to the poor. Afterward, I always chose the worst sort of food, though my place furnished me with variety. I fasted twice a week. My apparel was mean. I thought it unbecoming a penitent to have his hair powdered. I wore woolen gloves, a patched gown, and dirty shoes. 
and though I was then convinced that the kingdom of God did not consist in meats and drinks, yet I resolutely persisted in these voluntary acts of self-denial because I found them great promoters in the spiritual life. For many months I went on in the state, faint yet pursuing and traveling along in the dark, and hoped that the star I had before once seen would hereafter appear again. During the season I was very active, but finding pride creeping in at the end of almost every thought, word, and action, and meeting with Castina's spiritual combat, in which he says that he that is employed in mortifying his will was as well employed as though he were converting Indians, or words to that effect. Satan so imposed upon my understanding that he persuaded me to shut myself up in my study, till I could do good with a single eye, lest in endeavoring to save others, as I did now, I should at last by pride and self-complacence lose myself. Henceforward, he transformed himself into an angel of light and worked so artfully that I imagined the good and not the evil spirit suggested to me in everything that I did. His main drift was to lead me into a state of quietism, he generally plowed with God's heifer. And when the Holy Spirit put into my heart good thoughts or convictions, he always drove them to extremes. For instance, having out of pride put down in my diary what I gave away, Satan tempted me to lay my diary quite aside. When Castanitza advised to talk but little, Satan said I must not talk at all so that I, who used to be the most forward in exhorting my companions, have sat whole nights almost without speaking at all. Again, when Castanitza advised to endeavor after a silent recollection and waiting upon God, Satan told me I must leave off all forms and not use my voice in prayer at all. Time would fail me to recount all the instances of this kind in which he had deceived me. But when manners came to an extreme, God always showed me, my error, and by his spirit pointed out a way for me to escape. The devil also sadly imposed upon me in the manner of my college exercises. Whenever I endeavored to compose my theme, I had no power to write a word, nor so much as tell my Christian friends of my inability to do it. Saturday being calm, which is the day the students give up their compositions, it was suggested to me that I must go down into the hall and confess. I could not make a thing, and so publicly suffer, as it were, for my master's sake. When the bell rung to call us, I went to open the door to go downstairs, but feeling something give me a violent inward check. I entered my study and continued instant in prayer, waiting the event. For this my tutor fined me half a crown. The next week Satan served me in like manner again. But now having got more strength and perceiving no inward check, I went into the hall. My name being called, I stood up and told my tutor I could not make a theme. I think he fined me a second time, but imagining that I would not willingly neglect my exercise, he afterwards called me into the common room and kindly inquired whether any misfortune had befallen me, or what was the reason I could not make a theme. I burst into tears and assured him that it was not out of contempt of authority, but that I could not act otherwise. Then at length he said he believed I could not, and when he left me told a friend, it's very well might, that he took me to be really mad. This friend, hearing from my tutor what had happened, came to me urging the command of Scripture to be subject to the higher powers, 
I answered, yes, but I had a new revelation. Lord, what is man? As I daily got strength, by continued though almost silent prayer in my study, my temptations grew stronger also, particularly for two or three days before deliverance came. Near five or six weeks I had now spent in my study except when I was obliged to go out. During this time I was fighting with my corruptions and did a little else besides kneeling down by my bedside, feeling as it were a heavy pressure upon my body, as well as an unspeakable oppression of mind, yet offering up my soul to God to do with me as it pleased him. It was now suggested to me that Jesus Christ was amongst the wild beasts when he was tempted, and that I ought to follow his example. And being willing, as I thought, to imitate Jesus Christ, after supper I went into Christ's church walk near a college and continued in silent prayer under one of the trees for near two hours, sometimes lying flat on my face, sometimes kneeling upon my knees, all the while filled with fear and concern, lest some of my brethren should be overwhelmed with pride. The night being stormy, it gave me awful thoughts of the day of judgment. I continued, I think, till the great bell rung for retirement to the college, not without finding some reluctance in the natural man against staying so long in the cold. The next night I repeated the same exercise at the same place. But the hour of extremity being now come, God was pleased to make an open show of those diabolical devices by which I had been deceived. By this time I had left off keeping my diary, using my forms or scarce my voice in prayer visiting the prisoners, and so on. Nothing remained for me to leave unless I forsook public worship, but my religious friends. Now it was suggested I must leave them also for Christ's sake. This is a sore trial, but rather than not be, as I fancied Christ's disciple, I resolved to renounce them, though as dear to me as my own soul. Accordingly, the next day being Wednesday, whereon we kept one of our weekly fasts, Instead of meeting with my brethren as usual, I went out into the fields and prayed silently by myself. One evening meeting, I neglected also, and went not to breakfast according to appointment with Mr. Charles Wesley the day following. This, with many other concurring circumstances, made my honored friend Charles Wesley suspect something more than ordinary was the matter. He came to my room soon found out my case, surprised me of my danger if I would not take advice and recommended me to his brother John. Fellow of Lincoln College is more experienced in the spiritual life. God gave me, blessed be his holy name, a teachable temper. I waited upon his brother with whom from that time I had the honor of growing intimate. He advised me to resume all my externals though not to depend on them in the least. From time to time he gave me directions as my various and pitiable state required, and at length by his excellent advice and management of me under God I was delivered from those wiles of Satan. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me praise his holy name. During this and all seasons of temptation my soul was inwardly supported with great courage and resolution from above. Every day God made me willing to renew the combat and though my soul, when quite empty of God, was very prone to seek satisfaction in the creature, and sometimes I fell into sensuality, yet I was generally enabled to wait in silence for the salvation of God. 
or to persist in prayer till some beams of spiritual light with comfort were vouchsafed me from on high. Thomas Akempis since translated and published by Mr. John Wesley, Castanitz's Combat in the Greek Testament, every reading of which I endeavored to turn into prayer, were of great help and furtherance to me. On receiving the Holy Sacrament, especially before trials, I have found grace in a very affecting manner, in an abundant measure, sometimes imparted to my soul, an irrefragable proof to me of the miserable delusion of the author of that work called The Plain Account of the Sacrament, which sinks that holy ordinance into a bare memorial, who, if he obstinately refuse the instruction of the Most High, will doubtless, without repentance, bear his punishment, whosoever he be. To proceed, I had now taken up my externals again, and though Satan for some weeks had been biting my heel, God was pleased to show me that I should soon bruise his head. A few days after, as I was walking along, I met with a poor woman whose husband was in in Borcardo, or Oxford Town Jail, which I constantly visited. Seeing her much discomposed, I inquired the cause. She told me not being able to bear the crying of her children, ready to perish for hunger, and having nothing to relieve them, she had been to drown herself, but was mercifully prevented, and said she was coming to my room to inform me of it. I gave her some immediate relief and desired her to meet me at the prison with her husband in the afternoon. She came, and there God visited them both by his free grace. She was powerfully quickened from above, and when I had done reading, he also came to me like the trembling jailer and grasping my hand, cried out, I'm upon the brink of hell. From this time forward, both of them grew in grace. God by his providence, soon delivered him from his confinement. Though notorious offenders against God and one another before, yet now they became helpmeet for each other in their great work of their salvation. They are both now living, and I trust will be my joy and crown of rejoicing in the great day of our Lord Jesus. Soon after this, the holy season of Lent came on, which our friends kept very strictly eating no flesh during the six weeks except on Saturdays also, and ate nothing on the other days except on Sunday, but sage tea without sugar and coarse bread. I constantly walked out in the cold mornings till part of one of my hands was quite black. This, with my continued abstinence and inward conflicts, at length so emaciated my body that at Passion Week, Finding I could scarce creep upstairs, I was obliged to inform my kind tutor of my condition, who immediately sent for a physician to me. This caused no small triumph amongst the collegians who began to cry out, What is this fasting come to now? But I rejoiced in this reproach, knowing that though I had been imprudent and lost much of my flesh, yet I had nevertheless increased in the spirit. This fit of sickness continued upon me for seven weeks. And a glorious visitation it was. The blessed spirit was all this time purifying my soul. All my former gross and notorious, and even my heart sins also, were now set home upon me, of which I wrote down some remembrance immediately, and confessed them before God morning and evening. Though weak, I often spent two hours in my evening retirements and prayed over my Greek testament and Bishop Hall's most excellent contemplations every hour that my health would permit, 
About the end of the seven weeks, and after I'd been groaning under an unspeakable pressure both of body and mind for above a year, God was pleased to set me free in the following manner. One day, perceiving an uncommon drought and a disagreeable clamminess in my mouth, and using things to allay my thirst, but in vain, it was suggested to me that when Jesus Christ cried out, I thirst, his sufferings were near at an end upon which I cast myself down on the bed, crying out, I thirst, I thirst. Soon after this, I found and felt in myself that I was delivered from the burden that had so heavily oppressed me. The spirit of mourning was taken from me, and I knew what it was truly to rejoice in God my Savior, and for some time could not avoid singing songs wherever I was. But my joy gradually became more settled. And blessed be God has abode and increased in my soul, saving a few casual intermissions ever since. Thus were the days of my mourning ended. After a long night of desertion and temptation, the star which I had seen at a distance before began to appear again, and a day star arose in my heart. Now did the Spirit of God take possession of my soul, and as I humbly hope, seal me unto the day of redemption.'"